Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, we are just really just introducing this book with the, just the first three verses here, and it is just a joy, folks, the more I read this, this book, the, the, the more I understand, it just becomes so much more precious. I'll begin reading in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, bless our time in your word. It's always precious. Lord, feed us the nourishment that you would have to, to help us to, to grow spiritually and strong, mature like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the author is exalting Christ clearly in this passage. He is exalting Christ. And I hope that this introduction is doing what it is supposed to do. It's supposed to catch our attention and hold on to us and and actually to draw us in so that we want to read more. And by this time, I think you see the, the person of Christ. And I, I hope you see the, the amazing doctrine of Christology that's here. Um, this introduction is, is really kind of a, a string of pearls, if you will, theological pearls that point to the preeminence of Christ. And we see seven of these, in, starting in verse 2 and 3, seven of these unique theological pearls about Jesus Christ. Now, pearl is a beautiful thing. We uh, uh, drill holes and make necklaces with these things. Each one of them are unique and they're just precious to look at and they become very valuable. And, And these are theological pearls that are rich and they are just as beautiful. And we can see the glory of Christ, especially when you bring them all together like the the author has done here. And I hope that it forces us, I hope that it forces you to ask the question, why is he, why is he giving us all this? Why is he saying all this about Christ? Why is he exalting Christ so much? And the answer is, is we tend to drift. And that's the, the main point. We always want to tie the, the point in here and that the author knows the, his audience is the Hebrew people, the Jewish people of his day um, are, are being pulled, actually, by these Judaizers that have come into the church and drawing the congregation back to the Mosaic law, to a, a salvation based upon works, a salvation based upon the law as opposed to the grace of, of Christ. And to slip back into dependence upon the old way of thinking. And we see that. I'll point this out in chapter 2. We will 
we'll get to this, but chapter 2, verse 1, for this reason, we may pay close attention to what we have heard, that is the gospel, so that we do not drift away. That's man's tendency. That's all of our, our tendency is to slip back into our old way of thinking, our old habits. To this audience, this is the Jewish way of thinking, this Jewish mindset. And essentially, in doing so, it's, it's saying that Christ is not sufficient. It's Christ plus something else. And, and the author is saying, look at Christ. It would be easy to slip back. It's like just putting your hand into a, an old glove that fits your hand just perfectly. But then it's, it's, it's saying that, that Christ isn't enough and, it, and that we need more. And that's the backdrop. And when we put the backdrop here the, of our tendency to drift and this audience tendency to drift toward Judaism in, in the context of this passage, then these pearls just stand out even more. They just radiate. It's just a beautiful thing. Now, there's a, a danger here that I, I have to point out to because we could say, well, that's just the old, that's just the, the Jewish audience that he's talking to. It really doesn't apply to us today. But this uh, resonates in our day as well because we have a, a whole church that's just almost been captivated by charismatic theology and charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches. And, and it's Christ plus speaking in tongues or Christ plus miracles and healings and, and being filled with the Spirit in some kind of crazy way that's not reflecting of, of uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And now our tendency may not be to drift back into Judaism like the audience that... Uh, the author of Hebrews is speaking about, but it might be to drift into emotionalism. It might be to, to drift into the excitement of the churches that we see today. It's just, just pure excitement and not really any depth, just very shallow. But each time we do that, each time we depend upon those kinds of things, it, it lessens from Christ. And we have to ask the question ourselves, is Christ enough for us? Is Christ enough? Every time we add to Christ, it diminishes Christ. It weakens Christology. It's, it's like putting impurities into gold. It just weakens that gold. Or we may think about it just watering down coffee. You just put more stuff in coffee. That's what I think most of the coffee drinks today. Just water it down. And it's like you don't even have coffee in it anymore. You can smell a little bit of coffee. And that's about it. Or watering down the soup. It just weakens it. And the author is, is saying, don't add anything to Christ. You cannot drift back into anything other than, than Christ. And he's saying, look at the sheer glory of Christ. Look at Christ. Christ is sufficient. Look at His glory. Let Him draw you in. Is it enough for us? But Christ is sufficient he is the highest of all positions. Uh, he, has, he has the highest of all positions. He is um, above, above everyone and everything. And He is, has all authority. He has all sufficiency. His new covenant, covenant that He was established in His blood is, is so, far superior than the old covenant. And we stand alone in the preeminence of, of Christ and His sufficiency. 
Now we started looking at this, this strand of pearls, of seven pearls of, of this Christology about Christ. And we saw last, a couple of weeks ago, that He is the heir of all things. That, that uh, we saw His inauguration as his, the King. And then we see Him receiving His kingship and taking back the, the deed of the earth and, and reclaiming the earth. And then He shares that with us. What amazing thing. And then we also saw last week that he is the creator of the universe. He spoke things into existence. But, but that points to his deity, that he was God himself. Then that it points to his position as second person of the Trinity. And it points to that he is the creator God. That's amazing to me. He is the heir of all things. And he is the creator of the universe. And then number three, and that, that's in verse three, and this is another phrase that we're going to look at, that he is, he, re, he perfectly reflects God's glory, perfectly reflects God's glory. Look at verse three, and he is the radiance of his, that's God's glory, the radiance of his glory. Now, the word radiance here is the same word that we get our word for gamma rays. It's the, it's essentially just talking about the quality of sending out rays of light, just being brilliant or, or being bright, the brightness of, of something, of a light. And that would have been a key word for the Jewish audience. They would have understood because their, their mind would have, have drifted back probably to the Shekinah glory, uh, this, this light, this pillar of fire by day and, and this uh, uh, cloud by night, and, and that would lead them. Or maybe it would refer back to the, the glow in Moses' face, or maybe the smoke in the, that filled the temple when they built the temple. But it would certainly went back to just the glory of God. And what we see here is that Jesus is the manifestation of God is the radiance of His glory. He manifests God to us. He is the express, He expresses God to us. Um, now God is invisible. He is a, a spirit. We will not see God. We will never see God. No one will ever see God. The only radiance that we will ever, that will ever reach our eyes of God is is going to be mediated through Christ Jesus. That's just the reality of it. He's an invisible God. And, and, and Christ manifests Him. Makes Him known to us. And I like what uh, Dr. MacArthur says at this point. He says this, Just as the rays of the sunlight... Rays of the sun light and warm the earth, so Jesus Christ is the glorious light of God shining upon the hearts of men. Just as the sun was never without and cannot be separated from the brightness, so God can never be without and cannot be separated from the glory of Christ. Never was God without Him or He without God. And never in any way can he be separated from God. Yet the brightness of the sun is not the sun. Neither is Christ God in that sense. He is fully and absolutely God. Yet distinct person. Yet a distinct person. 
He is not the Son. He is radiating to us the Son. He, he makes the Son be seen. He is the brilliance of the Son. And that would be God Himself. Christ radiates God. He emanates God. The glory of God to us. It's the, he's the sunbeam that, that emanates from the Son. Now, the question is, what does that look like? What... I mean, did, did, did he uh, glow like Moses did when Moses would come down out of the mountain? There was this be this glow from being with God. Was there a halo around his his head like the some of the pictures that we see from old? Well, we know better than that. Isaiah said that there was nothing really about his visage that made him any different than any any other baby boy or man. There was nothing that, that radiated. There was nothing, there was nothing that exuded out of him that, that you would just see, oh, that's the Son of God. No. Then what was it? There's a few clues that we see in Scripture. What, what does this mean that, that Christ is the, the radiance of His glory? What would that look like when Jesus was here upon earth? There's a few verses that I want you to just, that I want to just point out to you to help us understand this. In John chapter 8, verse 12, then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, he's the light. He's emanating from God. He is the light to this world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it, could not overcome it. And he is the light of this, this dark world. He is the light of the world and light of, and that, he says, but will have light of life. So an element of that is, is life. Christ is the radiance of God's glory of this invisible God into a, a dark world. Now we have to understand that this world is dark. This world is corrupt. There's injustice, there's moral bankruptcy, um, depravity, uh, death, disease, decay, separation. And there's a, a blindness to the gospel, moral darkness, we might say. A separation from, or, or I'm sorry, a suppression, a deliberate suppression of the truth. And ungodly appetites and, fat, and passions. Without the, without the Son of God, folks, we would be in darkness. We would be in darkness. And Christ is the light. And in the context here, it's spiritual life. He brings spiritual life. This is what it looks like to have spiritual life. You look at Christ. He is spiritually alive. There's a clarity of truth, a brilliance of a, a righteous life being laid out in front of us. It gives us purpose. It gives us clarity. It, it, it creates being born again, a new life there, new direction, a purpose to life, meaning and happiness and joy and peace and fellowship. And, and then that's for all eternity. There's spiritual life there. So, so that's John chapter 8, verse 12. There's another passage. John chapter 1, verse 14. 
Start, I'm sorry, yeah, John chapter 1, verse 14 to 17. Let me give you another one here. John says this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. So you, you see what we're talking about here. The radiance of His glory. <clears throat> saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What did that glory look like? Well, it included grace and truth from the Father. This is exactly what the Father would look like if he, if we could see Him. Full of grace. Full of truth. And then he goes down, verse 16, he says, For of His fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. It's the, the emphasis upon grace. It just piles on grace and grace in our life. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten of the Father, or the bosom of the Father, has explained Him. You want to know what God looks like? You look to Christ. That's amazing. What's He talking about? This grace and truth. That, that's just the character of God. It wasn't so much of what He looked like, his, his hair color or the length of His hair, what He wore, anything like that. It was His character. And that character reflected the very nature of God. And that's what's being said here. He was spiritually alive and that, that life was, was just exudes a, a godly character of righteousness. Uh, all of the excellences, all of the extraordinary elements of God was on display in Christ's life. It's his, part of His character, just who He was. Essentially, it was just a life without sin, without uh, any any contamination there. Now we can only imagine that. We we don't know what that looks like because we are we're imperfect. This is a perfect righteous life, perfect love lived out. Every need of the moment, he he knew exactly what to say. Every spiritual gift. In perfect balance. Every love language. Both love and respect. All of the full, uh, all of the fruits of the Spirit He exhibited perfectly in just the right balance with just the right wisdom. It's amazing. His anger was under control. Every action was with pure motives. And it was a life of faith too. A life of faith, a, a complete dependence upon his heavenly father, full of responsibility and a desire to please his heavenly father. That's character. That's the glory of Christ. When you look at Christ, that's what you're going to see. This righteous life being lived out, a full, spiritually a, a vibrant life. So it was a character, righteous life, but also truth. You have to emphasize that because there's an element here that I want you to see, and I, I just think this is precious. Because you have these two men on the road to Emmaus, and this was after Christ was uh, buried, and there was a few times that, that Christ had been seen. They were on the, the way, and, and Christ catches up to them, and they begin to talk with Christ. They didn't recognize Him at first. This is in Luke chapter 24. They didn't recognize him at first, but they, they just talked with him. 
And, um, and, and he had to sit down with them uh, and open up the Old Testament and explain the Messiah to them. And then they recognized him. Oh, we, we know who this is. And all of a sudden he vanishes. You know that story. And here's what they say. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? While he was explaining the scriptures to us? So there's another element to this. This It's not just the character of God, but when, when he's explaining the word, their hearts were burning. Yes, this is right. This is truth. This is, this is fundamental truth. This is, this is reality. There's a, a power and authority behind that kind of, of truth. And that's Christ. It's emanating the, the glory of, of God. Just, just true reality of, of everything. Now, let's just apply this. Oh, oh I, there, there's another element here I wanted to mention. Because Peter kind of experienced this as well. One day, Jesus turns to the disciples and says to the disciples, Will you guys go away too? Are you guys going to leave me? And Peter said, What? Where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that draws them. The words of eternal life. We don't want to go anywhere. We're not going to drift. You have the words of eternal life. And this is brilliance. This is the radiance of, of God. Truth, grace, life, character, all the, all of these attributes and, and it's an attractive thing. It's an attraction. And the question is, if we are not drawn to that, then there's something wrong. If, if that radiance of God in the flesh it doesn't draw us in, we, we have to ask the question, do we really have life there? Is there, is there life there? Now, Paul points this out, and here's the danger. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbelieving so that they might not see the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know what? Satan is there, and he is blinding the unsaved world so that they do not see that glory. In fact, to them, Christ is just an ordinary guy. They don't see any glory there. There's nothing there. And you can attribute that to Satan and his lies. He, he just, he likes to blind people. That's what Satan does. You don't see his glory. The world looks at Christ and say, well, what's the big deal? We don't see anything. There's nothing extraordinary there. There's nothing to see here. And if, and if that's not true, folks, of our life, then we have to, we have to say, what is it? But when there is an environment there of exalting Christ and we're drawn in, give me Christ, when we're drawn into that relationship with Christ, we see a, a different story. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses five and six, he goes on to say, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as his bondservants for Jesus sake. For God who says light has shown and darkness And we know that, we understand that, is the one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 
It's the, it's the Holy Spirit that has worked in our heart, shown abroad in our hearts so that we can see that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And we think, oh, oh, thank you, Lord, for, for showing me this. I could be just as blind, just as blind. So we've come to the, the character of Christ. It's his, it's his character. And that character then is, is translated. That new life is, is exuding now out of us. In fact, Christ said, you are the light of the world. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. We accept that truth into our life. That truth begins to change our life. And we then are exuding this glory from the very nature and character of God through Christ Jesus who manifests Him to Him. And, and that's a very humble thing. That's no, no halo around our head. It's nothing of our doing. He's the one that's shown brought His light in our life. There's no pride. We don't see any value in our own self. It's just, it's Him. It's servanthood. It's love. It's unity. So we have to, have to be careful here. But you know what? We can be encouraged. When you begin to see Christ's life living out in you, you can be encouraged. That's just light. It's light. And do you have, do you have that light? Do you, are you spiritually alive? You, you have to ask that question. There's some people that look at the Christian life and they say, well, that's dull, man. That's, that's boring. There's nothing. You're not going to change the world by that kind of life. There's no glory there. And folks, those people are just deceived. We live a quiet and tranquil life. And the Lord uses us for His glory. The true Christian life is about a life of repentance, self-denial, obedience to God and allowing the Lord to, to work. So, so God, uh, Christ is the Son of God. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator. And he is, he is radiating God's glory. Number four, we see in verse three, if you go back to Hebrews chapter one, verse three. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. So it's, it's not just, well, he's a, he's a beam of light. No, this is the exact representation of his nature. You say, what does that mean? In John chapter 8, Christ explained it himself. And this is a little heavy. Christ said to them, truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, what's he claiming there? He's claiming deity of himself. It wasn't, I was before Abraham. No, I am. That, only God was there. And that, ex, that, uh, that is a confession of eternal existence. The eternally existing one. Commentaries say about this, that Jesus Christ is, is the express image of God. He did not only manifest God. He was the substance of God. Now, that's a key word. That's a key word. Jesus Christ is the the reproduction of an invisible God. He is the, the stamp in the in the wax. He is the impression of God in time and space. Paul, the apostle, he said in Colossians chapter one, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the very image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. The word image there means icon. The icon. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For he, 
For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. He is the precise copy. Now, this could be a little hard to, to understand. And there was some controversy back uh, in the second, third century. And uh, the controversy was, uh, was Christ similar nature of God or was he the exact nature of God? Now, we teach orthodoxy. We, we know the orthodoxy here, that he is the exact substance. But 200 godly men came together in, the, uh, in around, uh, what, 225 A.D. These pastors came together to refine the nature of God, saying we've got to come up with, with what does Scripture say about the substance of, of Christ. And they come up to the conclusion that Scripture teaches that Christ derives his substance from the Father. And the key word, the Latin word is homoousius. Alright? You don't need to know that. Homoousius. And, and it's not similar substance. It's the exact same substance. Exact same substance. He was God incarnate. They're just saying he is 100% God. Even though he was in the flesh of man, he was 100% God. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying here. He is the exact representation of his nature. Now, today, how would we say that? We'd probably use the word DNA. They have the exact same DNA. They share the, the same substance. That's the way we would put it today. I kind of like the... The, word, the way the, the angel put it. You will be called Emmanuel, God with us. All of the glory of the invisible God is made visible in him. Now, here's the thing. That's, that's amazing. But the, something more amazing to me is, how did they miss it? How did they not see? Why, why did they reject? Why did they not accept Christ and, and receive Him in? Some people did. And why did, why did people reject Him? I, I think there's too many people looking for religion. Too many people looking for the, for the, the king and not, not the servant. Too many people just playing church and they miss God all, all together. People want more, don't we? Why do we drift? Why do we take our eyes off of Christ? Because there's too many other things to look at. We want more. Christ isn't sufficient for us. We take our, our eyes away. We want, the, we want the sunbeams shining from His fingertips. We want the halo around His head. We, we want the, the glowing face. The, the fantastic, the, the glitz and the glimmer of a, of a religion, the fun, the emotions. And we miss the glory of God, the true glory of Christ. Folks, that's what's happening today. We, we, we can see Christ, but yet many times people miss Him because they're looking for the spectacular. He is the Son of God, heir of all things, creator. He is the image of the invisible God, the very nature of God Himself. He is is God, the second Son of the Trinity. He is the Son of God. Let me give you one more, because this is important. 
the, the fifth one in verse 3. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the words of his power. Now, don't miss that. It's so good. This is Christ here. He, he not only created, but he is the sustainer of this earth. And that's all power is, is in Him. He is sustaining this earth. He didn't just create this earth, bring this world into existence and then leave. No, He sustains this world even now. Even now. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 he says, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. <laughs> Paul got it. He understood. If Christ is... Glances away, forgets what he's doing. All things just just go out of existence or just float out into the atmosphere. He holds it together. He upholds it. The word here in Hebrews is to to carry or to to bear up under, to hold. We used to sing the song. He's got the whole world in his hands. That's exactly that's the image. And if God would release his sustaining grip. On us sinful rebels, we would, we would fall to our death. Our very breath is His grace. It's just His grace. He, he's holding us together. Everything in the universe. He not only created it, He knows how it's made, He knows how it works, and He is actively now, right now, holding it all together. Holding it all together. Can you imagine not having gravity? Can you imagine not having order in this universe? We do have order. Planets would just fly into oblivion. No heat. What if there's no heat for the sun? Or The heat would just diminish. What about every cell of your body? He holds every cell of your body together. He knows how it functions. He is God. He is a God of order. And he holds it all together. And just by way of application, and we'll, we'll bring it to a conclusion here. Why do we carry the, the whole world on our shoulders? He is a much better God. He, he holds it all together. Why is there so much fear in our life? Why, why, do we, why, do we, why are we so anxious? Why do we try to be God? He's a much better God. Can we trust him? That's the question. Do, can we live a, a life of, of faith? Or, or do we live in out of controlled fear just constantly? Is our God so weak that we can't trust him with our problems? That we feel like we have to do it? There's a, a lack of faith so often. But he holds, upholds everything by the word of his power. Folks, that's power. That's power. He is the heir of all things, creator. He is the radiance of God's glory. The very nature of the Father is the same substance there. Christ is preeminent, folks. He's preeminent. And the author here is, is saying, look at Christ. Do you see Christ? And he wants us to be drawn in like a magnet that we are to be to gravitate to, like a moth to to light or like flies to honey. And that's us. 
Folks, if God has worked in your life, there is something within you that just wants Christ. And we gravitate to Christ. And then what we say is, Lord, You hold me. You hold my attention. You don't let me drift. Because we would drift, folks. We would drift. Can you say, can you say what, like the song says, show us Christ. Remember that song? Just show us Christ. That, that's what we want. Is Christ enough to make us content? Is Christ enough to make us happy? Would we be satisfied with just Christ alone? Give me Christ. Give me Christ. The author is upholding Christ because he wants us to see Christ. It is Christ that we have our life. It is Christ that, that um, sustains us. He's the one that, that gives us maturity and strength and power in this life. He's the one that gives us clarity, gives us truth. And he is the, the very epitome of grace. So we say with the author, show us Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, if there's anything that would compete in our life, compete for for our attention other than Christ, Lord, get rid of it. Lord, help us to focus on him. Help our lives be to revolve around him. May he be the, the center of our attention. Every day. And then Lord we know. We know we are praying, prone to wander. And so we, we, ha- we have to cry out. Lord you hold me fast. You hold us. You hold our attention. Lord Christ is amazing. When we look at his glory. We see these pearls. We, we, they're, they're just incredible. They're beautiful. They're rich. And Lord. I pray that they would be precious to us, that they would have more value than anything else. Lord, show us Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.